0: If you'll turn to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And uh, you guys didn't know you were going to be the living example of my message today. But Mark chapter 16 verse 15. There are times and seasons as a pastor in preaching and teaching. I know that preaching and teaching are two of the most how do I say it, to the most primary things, primary responsibilities I have in leading this church. I know that there are many other things. One, uh, one study I showed said that the average pastor has 300 jobs in pastoring, 300 different things that they do on average. And I, I get that. But I feel like that, that at the very top of that list is what we're about to do right now. Amen. If you don't agree with that, it's OK. But Mark sixteen fifteen shows me a portion of that, it says he said to them, go into all the world. And preach the gospel. To all creation, would you say that with me? He said to them, go in. Come on out loud. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Holy Spirit, we have sensed your presence today and s- continue to sense. Your presence. So grateful for that. We have heard. We have given. We have worshipped. God now as we go into this portion. Lord I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Hearts to understand. Eyes to see. And then mouths to proclaim. And feet to walk out. What you're speaking to us today. And everybody said. Amen. The message that I want to. Preach to you today. It's actually a question. Are you a missionary? Or a mission field? This statement has been going through and I started to say that as a pastor, I, I pray about what do, what do you want to speak to the church? Because Revelation, as we've been learning lately, says for him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. Now, I believe the spirit speaks to our hearts. Amen. But one of the primary ways we hear is we hear through the word of God being preached, taught, read, consumed. And so I pray, God, what do you want to speak? It's not as important what I want to speak because there's plenty of things I want to say. (laughs) Oh, and some of the things I want to say don't need to be said. Amen. But there's plenty of things I want to say, but I want to know what does the spirit want to say? So sometimes that's why we do series or different things, but sometimes the Lord speaks to me through just repeating a phrase in my spirit over and over. And this week the Lord has just been speaking this phrase. And, and at first I thought it was kind of a memory from my missionary youth pastoring days when we used to youth pastor. And anybody that tells me a, a youth pastor is not a missionary, uh, I got to differ with you because they are a different tribe. They are a different language. They are a different culture All together. So we were missionaries to teenagers for 17 years, and and I would preach this statement multiple times. But the Lord began to speak it to me this week. I said, Lord, are you reminding me of something? And he said, no, I want you to present this. You won't find, and and and, and I think Chad and Judith will understand this, so they won't be slighted at this. But here's something. In Scripture, you will find the word pastor, not very many times, but you'll find it. You'll find the word evangelist you'll find the word apostle, prophet, and teacher. The most common out of those fives is actually apostle and prophet, the two that we, we kind of look at least in the church today. They're mentioned the most in the Scripture. But there is a word that you won't find in your English version of the translation of the Bible, and that is the word missionary. Surprised? Because we hear about Paul's missionary journeys, right? But that's, that's just our commentary. It's, you won't find the word missionary in an English or French version translation of the Bible. It's not there. It's actually a word derived from the Latin word missinum or missio. It means an act of sending to send or one who is sent. But that word missio in the Latin comes directly from the word of God from the passage we just read in Mark sixteen fifteen. He said to them, go into all the world. In other words, that Latin word would have been missio, go into all the world. Say that with me. Go into all the world. Say it again. Go into all the world. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, you're familiar with, says, Therefore, go and make disciples. Again, it's that Latin word translated into Latin is missio. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when I say or when you say or when we say the word missionary today and in this message, I'm referring to those who are sent by God to preach, to teach, to make disciples, to baptize people, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to raise the dead. That's who I'm referring to. In other words, you could say it this way. Every disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to shout me down too much. All right. You're either a missionary. Or a mission field. A mission field is what we think of as a place where missionaries go. They're going to Ivory Coast. Côte d'Ivoire. Right. Others go to. Russia or Vietnam or India or Lebanon or Spain, as we're going to do in a few weeks. Wherever you, we think of a mission field, we usually think of nations. Is that correct? And you're thinking, I'm not, it's okay to raise your hand and to say, Yes, I hear you, Pastor. Right? Normally, when we think of mission field, we think of a nation. But recent missiology, there has been a shift from the nations, from simply targeting nations, to targeting what we call people groups. Because just, and I don't know if you caught it, but Chad said it. He said not only are they going to plant the church there and help plant the church and help raise up those in Ivory Coast, but they're also going to plant an international church. And maybe you heard a term you haven't heard before, expats, right? Expats. I don't know. I got it. I got to admit, I don't even know what that really means. Ex-fas. But what it means is it means a foreign foreigner in a foreign land who is living there, working there, making their living in that place. And so they're going to go and minister to these people, a people group. In ivory Coast. Now, I know because I know people and I've known people in different nations, that even in a country like Cote d'Ivoire, there are multiple people groups. Correct, Pastor Simon? There are are people who live in certain regions and certain areas. I've got friends from DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, who they shouldn't have been married, even though they were raised in the same nation. Their families didn't want them married because they were from different people groups. They got married and, praise God, they're pastors today and doing awesome. You understand what I'm saying. What is the mission field? Simply put, the mission field is people say people. Lost people, religious people, tribal people, communist people, bush people, city people, people who walk in darkness. So here it is. You're either a missionary, a disciple of Jesus Christ, fulfilling the mission that God has called us all to or. You're someone who needs to be reached. I I try not to start out negative. This is not a negative message. This is really positive. I promise you it's going to get real positive. But one of the things, one of my responsibilities when we come together as the church of Jesus Christ and gather together is not just to create a great service and a great experience. We want that, but that's not My primary purpose, my primary purpose when when I come here is to make us examine ourselves. The word of God causes us to examine ourselves and say, how am I relating to the word of God? How am I relating to God? And what am I going to do about that? So if you're a mission field, your response, listen, is to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're the mission field, it's time to surrender. It's time to give up your life and say, Jesus, I want to come to you. I repent of my old ways, and I want new life. So your response as the mission field is the same. It doesn't matter if you're in Spain or Ivory Coast or Vietnam or Texas. Your response is the same. Surrender. Say surrender. Now, if you're a missionary... What is your response? If you're a missionary, your response is to yield your life to the Spirit. Wait a minute. That sounded very similar, didn't it? You see, if you're unsaved, you've got to surrender your life. How many of you know you can't just pray a prayer, say, oh, Jesus, forgive me on my sins, and then everything, then I can just live the way I want. No. We have to surrender our life to Christ. He laid down his life. And when we lay down our lives for him and we say, God, here's my life, then we are surrendering ourselves to him. But there's this thinking in the church so many times that, okay, as long as I go to church, give my tithe, help out a few missionaries, am a good person, then that's all that is required. But when I read the New Testament, when I read about Jesus, when I read what he called not only those 12 around him, but what he called to the crowds, what he called to the 72, what he called to the 120, what he called to the New Testament church, I see something different, don't you? It's like we look at sometimes the church and then we look at the church according to the New Testament and we see a disconnect. It's time that we reconnect. Amen? It's time that we reconnect. As a missionary, your job is to yield to the Spirit. Your job is to daily surrender your life. To pick up your cross and to follow Him. To die daily to my sinful nature. To die daily to who I was and then to say, I'm going to live to Him. Amen? So I want to show you a few things about missionaries because I believe you're missionaries. Maybe there's somebody in here that's a mission field, and we will talk in a moment. But I still want you to listen. If you're a mission field, listen up because I'm going to give you your future assignment when you become a missionary. Are you ready? Missionaries, first of all, I find are completely dependent on God. They're completely dependent on God. On God, Luke chapter nine, verse one through six says when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Stop right there for a second. That's what we're teaching you on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings right now in the healing room training. If you're like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. We'll come teach you how to do what I just read. Boy, it just got real, real quiet in here. Hey, if you want to be a missionary, let's do it. But we realize they're completely dependent. That'll be another message, obviously. So then he said he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, I want you to see this. This is early in the life of Jesus' training of his disciples. This is early in that training. He said to them, I think you're ready to go out now. I've equipped you with some things. You've seen me heal some people. You've seen me do some things. You've seen me preach the gospel. You're beginning to grasp the whole, this whole concept of who I am and who he is. So I'm ready to send you out. I'm going to give you the power to do it. But here's what I want you to do. Don't take anything with you except the clothes on your back. Wow. Why is that? Why why was it so important for Jesus to teach them this principle? I'll tell you why. Because he wanted them to know that they could completely depend on God to supply all their needs. Whew, it's really quiet in here. You see, when we get so comfortable. And so, like, ah, oh, I've got everything I need. There is a time in our life when sometimes God shakes things up and says, are you dependent on me? <laughs> sometimes God says to us, are you completely dependent on me? We've got to be dependent on the one who is leading us. Think about a shepherd and the sheep. The sheep didn't ever worry about anything. The shepherd provided everything for them. Still today, it's the same way. Shepherds provide everything the sheep needs. The sheep doesn't have to go to the store and buy their food. The sheep doesn't have to go and figure out where the river is. The shepherd completely takes care of them. Now, we know later on, Jesus told them, okay, take a coat, take a sword. He told them some different things. But in, the, in that genesis of training, he had to underst- they had to understand, we're completely dependent on you, God. So that therefore, later on, when the church would explode and they would have tithes and offerings and things coming through, that when they had all that, then they would understand, I'm still dependent on God for all of this. I'm still dependent God so I think a question we have to ask ourselves are we dependent on him have we completely cast ourselves on him and said God we're dependent on you or are we dependent on someone else are we dependent on our our jobs are we dependent on on who likes us or who doesn't like us are we dependent on those things no we have to be dependent on him for everything amen And how do you do that? I believe one of the simple ways to do that is just to close your eyes and say, Jesus, I depend on you. Often that's what I pray. Jesus, I depend on you. Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. I'm dependent on you. Amen? Number two, I found that missionaries go where the Spirit directs. Not only are they dependent, but they go where the Spirit directs. In Acts chapter 8, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, verse 26, go south to the road to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandyke, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. What's interesting about this is God gave direction to Philip first of just simply what road to go on. He didn't tell them that there was going to be an official of high ranking when he got there until he got there. You see, we understand that we have to go where the spirit directs. We have to be dependent on God for our direction. He is our compass. If I could say it this way, he is our GPS system only we don't put in the directions, he does, and we follow. We have to be dependent on him to say, Lord, where are you directing? For Philip, this meant to go where the Spirit led to a specific place and then a specific person. <laughs> you see, I was, I was trained as a missionary. That was what my training was in Bible college. And so I understood some of these basic principles. But how many of you know it's one thing to have head knowledge and it's another thing to understand and to walk it out? <laughs> but as I was learning some of these principles, I would, I would say, I would get in my car. This is no joke. Don't make fun of me now. But I would get in my car sometimes and I would have a little time and I would say, Holy Spirit, where should I go now? Come on, don't look at me like that. Anybody ever done that? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. But I, sometimes you just say, oh, Holy Spirit, where should I go? And, and I would kind of get this sense of, well, go north. So I'd go north. Holy Spirit, when, when you're ready, lead me the next place. Like, go left. Go right. And sometimes I would end up in a grocery store parking lot, and I wouldn't know why I was there. <laughs> but the point was that I was saying to the Holy Spirit, lead me. Now, that may be a silly little example. But the point is, are we willing to go wherever the spirit leads? Are we willing to tune our ear to the ear of the spirit and say, God, I want to hear your voice to the voice of the spirit saying, I want to go where you tell me to go? For Philip, it was a specific place, specific time, specific person. For others... And, and I say this because when I preach these types of things, I find that within the next few months, everybody is off to a new adventure, right? Well, God led me to this church or God led me to that ministry or God led me. You know, and sometimes some of those I'm like, praise God, this is awesome. And then other times I'm like, are you sure that was the spirit? Are you sure it wasn't that because you, you were offended at me or somebody else? Oh, my goodness, that could preach. But here it is. I say. Oh, you got quiet. <laughs> this is truth. For some, it is to go to a specific place in a specific time. What Chad and Judas were in Estonia, seeing people saved, and then the Holy Spirit dropped it back in them. It's time to go back to Africa. It's time to go and do this thing. And so they're following that out. But for others, watch this. For others, the leading of the Spirit means to go back home or to stay right where you're at. We don't preach this part a lot. But do you know, I can think of two quick examples of that. One was the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. What did Jesus tell the Samaritan woman? He said, go back home and tell everyone what has happened to you and then tell them to come and see. God turned the Samaritan woman into an evangelist in her own hometown. And listen, if I would have been the Samaritan's woman's pastor, I probably would have said, you know what? Maybe it's good for a fresh start. (laughs) I mean, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with, you're going to have to kick out right now or get married today, all right? So I don't know, but maybe you need to go to a new, fresh place where nobody knows your name and nobody cares what you've done. Anybody ever felt that way before, right? And what did Jesus do? He said, no, I want you to go back because they do know you. I want them to see you. What's happened to you? I want them to see what I've done for you. The second example I can think of, and this one is even more extreme, is the demoniac at the Gadarenes. Remember the demoniac that Jesus cast out a legion of demons? I mean, we're not just talking about one little demon of fear. We're talking about thousands of demons that Jesus cast out. This man was so well-known in the community that they chained him up and put him with the tombs. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew him. And there, the difference in this story, if you remember, is that man, when Jesus got in the boat, came and begged him, can I go with you? If you had just had a thousand demons cast out of you, and now you're sitting and in your right mind and clothed, and pff, all of a sudden you see everything clearly, how many of you would want to follow that person to the ends of the earth? And Jesus says a strange thing to him. He says, no, go back to your brothers. Share what's happened. Can I tell you, sometimes the Spirit leads us to faraway places, but I find more often than not, Jesus leads us right where we are to be a light in darkness. Amen? I believe that. Thirdly, Missionaries are not only dependent on God and led by the spirit, but they are flexible, say flexible. As I like to say on missions trips, blessed are the flexible for they shall bend and not break. You got to be flexible. It's one of the things we're telling this little team of six that are going to Spain. We're telling them, you got to be flexible. We put it in the little packet. You got to be flexible. We might have a schedule, but schedules change. How many of you know that just doesn't just happen on the mission field? It happens in life. Sometimes things change. And in Acts chapter 16, I'm not going to read it all, but in Acts chapter 16, 6 through 10, it is that situation where Paul is traveling through the region of Galatia, and then they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia. And so they began to go to another place, and they went up to the border, and the Spirit of Jesus stopped them there. And then they passed by Mysia, going down to another place, and finally they fell asleep. I mean, after all that activity, I'm sure I would fall asleep too. They were trying to find the will of God, and you see Paul, the great apostle. This is not his first missionary journey. He's he's been around the world. He's traveled, and he's going where the gospel has not been preached. And John, God stopped him from preaching the gospel in certain areas. Wow. God, why? Why? Don't you want the gospel preached in Asia? Don't you want the gospel preached in Troas? Don't you want the gospel preached in the region of the Galatia? Can I tell you that later on, the end of the story, we know that the gospel was preached in all of those areas. But God had a plan. And Paul finally went to sleep, and God said, finally, this guy's asleep. Now I can talk to him. And he has a vision, and we know it as the Macedonian call. And we wouldn't have the book of Philippians without it. And he goes and he preaches the gospel there. And I love how the scripture said, it. he said, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. (laughs) I don't know about you, but if an angel showed up in my dreams and woke me up and he was still there and then told me what to do how many of you know i think that i would conclude that maybe that was god right but paul knew the difference between an evil spirit and a godly spirit he said this is what god is telling us to do and they went and they preached the gospel the point in all of that is that they were flexible can i ask you a question are you flexible <laughs> are you flexible Are you willing to say, God, I had plans today, but that's not what you planned. And I'm willing to bend to your plans. God, I thought that this was the job I was supposed to have. I mean, I applied for this job. I I went all the way through the interview process. Everything was looking good. And then, bam. I'm telling you, as I'm preaching, the Lord is reminding me of our own son, Joseph, and some of the stories. He's been telling, calling us every day, telling us stories already of what's going on there in Orlando. And one of the things he said to us is so true. Out of 500 applicants for this program, they only picked 10% of those, Joseph being one of those. But he said, I'm surprised. He said, because this last week was what they called a school of evangelism. Anyone could go. You just It's like a conference. You pay to go there. It's, and so many of the people who were at this one-week evangelism school had actually applied for the boot camp and didn't get in. So Joseph was shocked. He said, how did I get in, but you didn't? He said, Mom, Dad, he said, some of these people are doing the work of the ministry in amazing, they've preached all over the world. Some of these people are incredible people, and I'm shocked that, that they didn't get in and that I did. Of course, we know Joe, we see him. You know how it is when you see yourself. But he said one of the interesting stories was that there was a young man from Sweden, and he and his best friend applied, but the best friend applied only because He applied. Guess who got accepted? The best friend. Guess who didn't get accepted? Him. Here's the thing. Are you flexible? Are you flexible to say, Holy Spirit, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And even in disappointment, I can say, I'll bend and not break. Because I'm following you. I'm dependent on you. I'm going where I sense the Spirit leading. Then lastly, it's really not lastly but i'm going to make it lastly revelation 12:11 they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death how many know this verse revelation 12:11 this is a verse speaking about those martyrs at the end of time who triumphed over the enemy and how did they do it? By the blood of the Lamb. Look up there. And how else? The word of their testimony. Say that. The blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. You see, when you've got the blood of Jesus covering you, you can conquer anything and anyone. And when you're speaking your word, the Bible declares that that word of your testimony overcomes the enemy. That's why it's so important when you're facing the enemy, when you're facing doubts and fears, that you speak your testimony. You bless God. You say, God, I know I'm right here, but you you touched me here. You healed me here. And you remind God and remind yourself of what he's already done for you. Amen? And the word of your testimony is the word of God. And as you speak and preach and, and, and proclaim the word of God, you overcome the enemy. But there's a third part of that. Look at it. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You see, blood of the lamb, word of their testimony are two easy things to spout off. But they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The other thing missionaries do is they don't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I wish I could just, I wish I could put that into two words. I can't. Somebody's going to come up later and tell me oh well you could have put it in these two words thanks but for right now understand they didn't love their life so much as to shrink from death this is a missionary's way of life is recognizing that my life is not my own it was bought with a price therefore my body is God's body Whew. That's not easy to say. There's a few people in this church, because that I know this because I've talked to them and heard their testimonies, who have literally faced death for simply sharing the love of God. There's a few in this church. And if I were to give them the microphone right now, they would tell you very humbly what they faced. And they would only give you a portion of it because that's just the kind of people they are. But if you were able to look as God sees, they were about to die. Did that stop them from preaching the gospel? Did that stop them from completing their mission? No. Why? Because they know their life is not their own. It was bought with a price. Therefore, they're going to glorify God in their body. Paul and the other apostles faced persecution, pain, and and death on a regular basis to preach the precious gospel of Christ. The real point is, and how, how do we apply this to us today? Maybe, maybe you're not facing persecution as some face persecution. Maybe we, don't, maybe we don't see the things that other nations see and other believers around the world see. How do we apply this to our life today? It is that we don't love our own physical comfort more than we love Christ. Ooh. Let me say that again, that we say to Christ, we love you more than our own physical comfort. We love you more than we love our own physical comfort. God, this, is, this might cause some discomfort. When did we think that the, that the Christian life was a comfortable life? Who lied to us and told us that the Christian life is a, is a life of comfort and ease? There's a sign, and I don't mean to offend anybody, so please, I don't know, if you bought this sign and put it in this church, please forgive me ahead of time because I want to see you in heaven, amen? You got to forgive. But there's a sign, and I don't remember, honestly, it's been years, I still don't even know why it's here, but this sign ended up in my office upstairs. Again, please forgive me if you bought this sign. But when I read the sign, It didn't set well with me, but I left it up because I thought, it's a nice sign. I mean, look at that. That is a beautiful sign, is it not? It's all like wood, and it's kind of heavy. It's a really nice sign, nice frame. And and I know you can't see it from where you're at, but I want to read it to you. It says, The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. The reason I took the sign down is because it's false. No offense, but it's not biblical. The will of God has taken me many places and many times where I felt unprotected in my physical body. When I went to Burkina Faso in October, We were led to the northern regions of Burkina Faso where just recently another church was burned down and more believers were killed. We didn't go all the way up to the north because of the danger. And because it was so dangerous, the chief of police who happened to be in uh, Pastor Michelle's church said, I will not let you go and take those American pastors to that place without an escort. So we had a fully armed escort of, I think it was eight different police officers in a truck. Eventually their truck broke down. That's comforting to know, right? So what did they do? Did they leave us? No, they got in our bus with us. So how comforting was that to have guys fully armed to the teeth? I mean, AR-15s, shotguns, pistols. I mean, they were completely decked out with their bulletproof gear. And I'm thinking, Lord God, I'm closing the curtain now because I don't want anybody to see me right now. (laughs) Because I don't want to be a target. Either that or I want to get in between both of those guys right there, right? God never promised that we would be completely protected from life's harm. If that were the case, there would be no martyrs. Our life is not our own. And if Jesus should say, I want you to go and preach the gospel to the hardest places and the hardest People, we cannot say, but God, it's not comfortable. But God, I might, I might be shot. I might be killed. Can I tell you something? God will protect you all the way up until he says, now you're done. So if anything, this needs a comma. The grace of God will lead me and protect my soul and protect my spirit. But my body is not my own. It was bought with a price, and we have placed comfort and convenience too many times over risk, which is another way to spell faith. Because we're so comfortable. Because well, you know we're we got this, we got that. We don't want to, you know, we're somebody moves this or moves that, we're uncomfortable. If if somebody changes the furniture, we're uncomfortable. If somebody moves the chairs in the sanctuary, well, bless God, I'll go find a church that doesn't move the chairs. My comfort and my convenience are king. If comfort and convenience are your king, then you're a mission field. And it's time to say, Jesus, my life is yours. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, even if it means staying right where I'm at to reach the people where I am. So the question I'm going to pose again to this very quiet church, are you a missionary or a mission field? Are you a missionary or our mission field i i said it before and i'll say it again i was actually talking to someone this week about this we have our sons and our daughter are scattered now going to different places have callings if the lord continues to lead the way he leads in just the next few years, we'll be on five different continents, literally. And I, and I don't say that to puff me up at all. Please don't take that. What I'm saying is what I'm just preaching to you, we're living, and I'm preaching to myself. Because can I tell you, if it were up to me, I'd want my kids as close as possible. When they start having grandbabies, especially, I hear, that's really when it's going to be bad. But I'd love to have them close by. But I know that my kids were not called to be comfortable Christians. They were called to be missionaries. They were called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And if that should lead them to places that are going to be dangerous, then God give me grace to not fall apart when they go to those places. And God give them grace to preach the gospel, to love the unlovely, to help the hurting, to heal the sick, and to raise the dead wherever they are called, and that includes my wife and I. God, whatever you want, whether it's to stay and go or to go and go. God, lead us. We're dependent on you. Our life is not our own. Let us follow you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads? I believe today is a day of surrender. And if this message at all has challenged you or if the Holy Spirit has been touching your heart and saying, you're so far from that mark. Today is a day of surrender if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and made him Lord of your life, right now, right here, today, you can do that. It's as simple as what the book of Romans says, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. In in confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart, you will be saved. So if that's what you need today and you want to completely surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you say I not only want to go to heaven but I want to to fulfill the mission of God but but I'm so selfish right now I'm so consumed with my own self that I, I know that Jesus is not Lord and you want to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be saved would you raise your hand Hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah. Now let me ask you this question. How many in this room would say, I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, but I realize that there are some areas that I have not fully committed to Him? There's some areas of my life that I haven't fully committed to Him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, there's some areas I want to commit to Him afresh and anew today. Just raise your hand. Amen. 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 Would you all stand? I'm going to make a bold statement right now, and then we're going to pray. Then we're going to go have a good time. But here's the bold statement. If you aren't, and, and listen, please hear me. This, I don't, I don't, this has nothing to do with your age, your social status. This has nothing to do with your marital status. This has nothing to do with any of that. If you as a disciple of Jesus Christ are not willing to go across the world. If Jesus should so tell you, then you've got a commitment problem. (laughs) Keith Green used to say it this way. You're commanded to go unless God tells you to stay. That's that's pretty bold. But I say it this way. If you are not committed enough to the Lord to say, Lord, if you tell me to go, I'll go, then you've got a commitment problem. Is that too bold? I don't think so. So would you close your eyes one more time and you examine your heart and say, Lord, I'm willing. And if you're not willing, say, Lord, I'm willing. What is it in my life that causes me not to be willing? And don't come up with excuses of age or social status or financial status. God could take care of all that. If he calls Caleb at 85 to go take the the mountain, you can do it too. The question is, are you willing? Truly willing. When you feel in your heart that you're at that place to say, Lord, With your strength, I can be willing. I want you to raise both hands to heaven and just surrender to him right now. Say, Lord, I yield to your spirit. I yield to your spirit. I yield to your spirit, whatever you tell me. Lord, I'll go to my neighbor. I'll go to my friend. Lord, I'll go across the street or go around the world, wherever you lead me, I will follow. Lord, I just want to be led by your Spirit, 100%. I don't want my own way, I want your way. Oh, Lord, my flesh wants my own way, but I crucify my flesh. Make it obedient to you, Jesus. So many songs going through my spirit right now a lot going through my head take my life and let it be (laughs) living take my life let it be a living sacrifice to you Lord God I give you my all I give you my everything come and have your way just tell that to the Lord right now say come and have your way Holy Spirit come and have your way come and do what you want with my life hallelujah hallelujah some of those some of you got some specific things when you ask the holy spirit just surrender those to the lord say lord i surrender this i surrender that whatever it is that that you heard from the lord when you asked him is there anything that prohibits me from just completely surrendering to you just surrender that to the lord say lord here it is here's my excuses here's my thoughts Here's what, what you put in my heart, Lord. I just surrender to you right now. Come on, we're making this entire sanctuary an altar right now before the Lord. You might even want to kneel where you're at or whatever, but but just make this place an altar. Lord, I surrender my life to you. I surrender it all to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.